I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 214. And uh, your girl is a little stuffy. Uh, I'm going to blame it on allergies because we worked in the yard this weekend. I'm so sorry I sound like this. Okay, jumping right in. This one's called Conspiracy, Skinwalkers, and Something Very Bad. Hey, I've been listening to your podcast for about two months from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. during work, and I love how y'all interact. It's like hanging out with friends every day, and it makes my boring job much more tolerable. I want to preface by saying I'm super duperstitious, slightly sensitive, and absolutely terrified of the paranormal. So I apologize in advance because I am a horrendous storyteller, but here we go. I'd like to stay anonymous. We'll start with a story from before I was born. I'm from Los Alamos, New Mexico, home of the Los Alamos National Laboratory. It's where the atomic bombs were invented, discovered, researched, etc. The town was a complete secret for a long time. It had no mailing address. Lights had to be turned off before sundown to prevent detection, with one guarded road carved into the side of a mesa to get in and out of town. My great-grandfather invented and built the pendome for the atomic bomb, and my great-grandmother was the first graduating class at the high school. There is a prolific problem with new nuclear waste in the town even today. Almost every canyon has radiation and a lot of people have to sign agreements not to the government if and when they get cancer. I personally know several people that have gotten incredibly rare types of cancer, specifically blood cancers. This hasn't been acknowledged by nearly anyone except for one academic study that I found. When my great-grandparents died, the laboratory took their bodies from my family temporarily and performed a punch biopsy on both of them. Normally, a punch biopsy checks for skin cancers and can be done on the living. And there, the laboratory took a punch biopsy through their entire body, taking tissue from the front of their abdomens to the back. The lab never told us why they took it and didn't tell us that they were going to take it before they did. Even today, the lab is still doing all kinds of crazy science shit in the town and new hotspots for nuclear waste are found. At least once a week, you hear them testing explosives and bombs in the canyons. The whole place is a breeding ground for conspiracy. Remember the road carved into the mesa? It's called The Hill, and it has some of the most beautiful views of the valley. At the bottom of the road is the San Ildefonso Pueblo and the Santa Clara Pueblo. New Mexico is home to 19 reservations, which is the most by far of any state in the United States last time I checked. The entire town and area used to be the San Ildefonso Pueblo before they were forced out by the government to make Los Alamos the home of the Manhattan Project. This is the story of the first time I saw a skinwalker. Picture it. I'm driving my entire family home while they're asleep, and I have the radio quietly playing music. It's dark outside. The highway is completely dark, save for a few streetlights as we approach the hill, and there isn't anyone else on the road for miles. As I get to the very bottom of the hill, the radio shifts to a very quiet static. I barely noticed, as service can be pretty shitty in this area. On the other side of the highway divider stood a figure at least four feet taller than my truck. It was grotesquely skinny with no facial features, but I knew it was tracking me with its eyes. The body didn't look like it was made of skin, but it also did. It was as if it was made of cardboard paper with wax stripped over it. The arms were so long, and as I drove by, the skinwalker turned to keep facing me the entire time. I knew as soon as I saw it, what it was. There was no doubt in my mind, and the memory is burned into my brain. Immediately after passing it, I whipped my head around to keep looking at it, but as soon as I turned, it was gone. Just gone. Skinwalker stories are fairly common in the Southwest, and I've heard a few through friends of friends that have given me the same description of what it looked like, but that's not the only form it takes. If you want the deets on how to spot a skinwalker during a normal day in life, let me know. 
My last story is by far the most terrifying thing I've ever experienced. I have two terrible, terrible fears, like fight or flight, cannot handle it, immediately crying type of fear, snakes and maggots. When I was a kid, I had terrifying dreams of snakes, a man standing in my bedroom with a snake that he let loose into my tangled sheets, snakes killing my parents, pressuring me to attempt suicide. You get the gist. These were all before the age of seven. Fast forward a few months ago, I'm living thousands of miles away from my closest family members, struggling to make friends, nannying full-time, and living in one of the worst areas in a densely packed city. This is important as it nearly negates the chance of seeing any wildlife or animals other than rats. I'm living in a really shitty apartment completely on my own and have almost no belongings, barely even buying groceries because I couldn't afford them. I had recently broken up with a decently shitty boyfriend, not abusive, just fucking mean. This boyfriend was with spirit. Dude was a thousand percent a fucking medium, and when I would stay over with him, it was terrifying. He lived with three other people in a house outside of the city, and he got the basement all to himself. This house had a ghost that did not like women. It would make the lights flicker when I was in the basement alone, turn off the lights, and broke the mirror of the only other woman in the house. It randomly shattered one day while she was home alone in the bathroom. It repeatedly told my ex that it didn't like me and would tell him awful things about me and the other women in the house. At one point, the spirit came to him and showed him a ring that was behind a dresser that hadn't been moved in a long time. Lo and behold, we moved the dresser and there it is. Coincidentally or not, after we break up, weird things start happening in my apartment. I got extremely sick and lost 15% of my body weight. I found a clean, bleached bone behind the water heater in my kitchen. I found a sketchy cabinet that I couldn't open in the closet. And now for the really scary part... Keep in mind, my apartment was almost completely empty, and I kept it very clean. I had virtually no food in there. One night, I'm taking the trash out, and I found a four-foot-long black snake slithering across my feet. I dropped the trash bag and ran to my apartment, screaming and crying. I prayed and prayed and prayed till I eventually fell asleep. I wake up the next morning, puffy, swollen, and exhausted from the fear of the night before. Walk into my kitchen, and as the light streams onto my floor, I see tiny little wiggly shadows. I don't have on my glasses, so I can't see what it is. I lean down to get a better look and immediately flip my fucking shit. Maggots are covering my kitchen floor and crawling up from out of the trim and the floorboards. I proceed to spend three days of torture bleaching, squishing, and raiding them all into oblivion. I moved four days after that. Now, I'm not saying it had anything to do with my ex, but the timelines fit and we did not split amicably. It was one of the most horrendous experiences of my life and I hope someday I'll forget it. Nothing has followed me to my new place as far as I know. Thank God. As far as my sensitivity goes, I have dreams that semi-predict the day ahead for me or my family members and things like that. When I was younger, the dreams were extremely intense and always very negative. But as I've gotten older, they've mellowed out a lot and now I haven't had any dreams even normal ones, at all in a very long time. Sorry if this was super long. I love the podcast and y'all, even if I have to watch too much trashy reality TV afterwards to be able to sleep. I have a few other stories from unknowingly hanging out by a hanging tree on a haunted country road, haunted hotel, ghost town, possible cult, and a possible possession in the locked off underground network of lab tunnels underneath the town. Creep it real and get probably a little scared. Okay, first we want to know all the stories. Let me get that out of the way right now. But when you were detailing the skinwalker, I was like, oh God, that's so gross. When you got to your last story with the snake and the maggots, nope, mm -mm, 
Nope, 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 nope. I don't know if I could clean them up. I think I would have just had to leave. I don't know. I couldn't have cleaned them up. I would have had to hire somebody. And I know you weren't in a financial place to be able to do that. So I don't know what I would have done. Oh my gosh. I'm glad you were able to get out though. But find that weird cabinet and that bone makes me think they may have done something. And then your two biggest fears. I know it reminded me of the craft when she saw the snakes. Yes. Okay, the next one. The time my date tried to kidnap me. Hey friends, it's been a hot minute since I wrote in. I've been wanting to send this one in for a while. I think you all will enjoy. Alright, so a few years ago, a former co-worker of mine set me up with this guy that she knew. He and I talked for a few weeks before we decided to go on a date. But finally, we decided to go out to dinner. We didn't live in the same town at the time, so I told him I'd meet him at the restaurant. But this is where things start to get a little weird. This guy would not tell me what restaurant we were going to. And looking back, this should have been my sign. I tried to get him to tell me, but he just wouldn't. So I said, fine, we'll just meet at XYZ and go from there. At this point, I was thinking that I'd drive. Side note, I've always drove on first dates with guys I didn't previously know. So the day of the date came. I met the guy at our appointed place and he still would not tell me where we were going so I couldn't drive. Whatever. I get into his car and he opened the door and I thought, oh my god, how chivalrous. I was so wrong. We get to the restaurant and I tried to open the door. The door wouldn't open. This motherfucker had put the child lock on his door. I was freaked out at this point, but trying to be optimistic, thinking he had it to keep his dog from accidentally opening the car door or something. Mm -hmm. So we get in the restaurant. He sits on the same side as the table as me, which is just weird. I'd never been on a date where the guy didn't sit across from me. I did make it a point to keep my drink as far from him as possible and I never left the table. My weirdo radar was going off at this point. After dinner, he asked if I wanted to go watch a movie. I was so relieved thinking that we were going to a movie theater. Nope. Home dude rented a movie and took me to his dungeon apartment. He allegedly lived in the very basement apartment of the complex. Y'all, shit gets even more strange. He had no furniture in his apartment and I mean none. So I asked him how long he'd been living there and he said almost two years. And he had a decent job. He was a nurse. This is verified. Coming later. Weird, but whatever. I looked down at his kitchen counter and there's mail on it that's a different name than his. It was nowhere near his name. At this point, I'm really panicked. I don't know what to do. So we go to watch the movie in his bedroom, the only place he had any type of furniture. And he started trying to have sex with me, of course. He kept trying to get me to stay, and I'm honestly still not sure how I convinced him to take me back to my car. I'm thankful he did. He texted me the next day asking to hang out again, and I told him we for sure would. And then I blocked his number and blocked him on all social media. I called the woman that set me up with him and told her. She was shocked. But y'all, the story doesn't end there. About seven months later, I was working at a psychiatric ward at a hospital. And guess who happened to show up as one of the nurses for the night shift? You guessed it, home dude who tried to kidnap me. Thankfully, it was toward the end of my shift. I noped the fuck out of there and I quit the job completely not long after. And funnily enough, the same woman that set me up with this guy also introduced me to my now husband. I almost didn't go on mine and my husband's first date because of this dude, but it worked out the second time. Sorry this was so long. I hope you all enjoyed it and thought it was kind of funny. To be honest, I laugh about it now. Love you all. Thank you for the laughs and keeping me company all the time. You all are amazing. Much love, Emily. He knew exactly what he was doing, only having uh, bedroom furniture. Uh-huh. But that's very weird anyway, though. I like, know. It hurts my back to sit up on my bed. I can't yes, do that. I'm a 
a couch sitter. I need a couch or a rocking chair slash recliner. <laughs> yeah, I do not like that. Mm-mm. But I never understood people who can just stay in their bed all the time because it hurts my back. I mean, I will stay on the couch all day. Literally, the other day, Colby was like, you're going to get a pressure sore because I stayed on the couch so very long. So no judgment about hanging out leisurely in the bed. I'm saying it hurts my fucking back because I'm 174. Years old or pounds? No, we know I'm not 174 (laughs) pounds. Uh, (laughs) The child lock? scary but shit happens sometimes and you're like oh okay okay but everything else the sitting on the same side uh uh-uh, uh that's too claustrophobic for me like if there's open space in front of us go there how it hurts you to lay on your bed it hurts me to keep my head turned and i like eye contact so i'm gonna keep my head turned yeah i don't like sitting on the same side of the thing either now have i done it yes if somewhere has like really terribly uncomfortable chairs like we just went somewhere the other day that their chairs hurt your butt and they had like a booth table so we both sat on the booth side because the chairs are so terrible yeah but it's not like everywhere we go we're like oh come sit with me right because we don't talk because like you said you can't turn and see each other Mm-hmm. so we just kind of quietly sit there eating not talking okay the next one paulie is that you Hello to my kindred spirits. My name is Allie. Let me just say y'all are the bestest. I adore you both so much. I could go on and on, but ain't nobody got time for that. This will be broken up into two different stories. They're not scary, but more just strange. Picture it. Three-year-old Allie. My grandparents had a lake house with a pool. My grandfather, Paul, passed away when I was six months old. We call him Polly. I've heard he was the most generous, kind man. My mom always told me that when I was born that he wouldn't put me down saying there's finally a grandbaby that looks like a Jones. It's odd, but it's almost like I can feel his pride even to this day. Anyway, sorry for skipping around, but I was sitting by the pool, probably in a cocoon in my grandma's lap. My mom told me that out of nowhere, I started pointing out to the lake towards the dock. Something important I need to add, I was a real quiet kid. Once I started talking, I never stopped. But anyway, I was pointing out and staring. My mom said, Allie, what are you doing? I responded with, Mommy, it's Polly and Charlotte. They're there. My grandfather had been gone for a while now. Charlotte was my grandma's sister, who I'd never heard of, and my grandma didn't talk about her even when I was growing up. Twelve years later, I'm laying in my bed almost asleep. I shared a room with my big sister, who was in a deep sleep across the room. I felt someone sit at the end of my twin bed, and it was Polly. I remember not feeling scared. I felt such joy I cried and held on to him. I don't remember everything we talked about, but I do know when he told me that he had to leave, I screamed and cried and begged for him not to leave. He told me, give your mom a hug and things might get rough soon, but please just know everything will be okay. My mom ran into my room when she heard me screaming for Polly after he left. I told her what he said and I think she didn't believe me, but hugged me anyway and told me it was okay. Fast forward two years later, my grandma, my hot, spicy, kick-ass grandma, we call her mom because God forbid she would be labeled as old, was diagnosed with brain, bone, and breast cancer. She found a lump on her breast eight years prior and never got it checked. The cancer metastasized to her brain and bones. It was such a cold gut punch. She was my everything. She introduced me to Golden Girls from the time I was itty-bitty, spoiled me rotten, always made me feel good about my curves. I thought she would live forever. Unfortunately, my mom passed away in November of 2009. Her boyfriend, who was with her at the time, said she woke up and said Paul was there to get her now. Those two were soulmates, like never take their eyes or hands off each other. She always told me Polly would come get her in a horse-drawn carriage one day, and, well, that night came before any one of us were ready. Thank you for listening. If you read this on the podcast, just know I'll be on the side fangirling to death. 
Sorry for my punctuation or lack thereof. I know the stories are all over the place. Blame it on my ADHD. Well, your grandma, mom, uh, she sounds amazing. She knew her husband was going to come back for her. Mm-hmm. I want to love like that. That reminds me of the notebook. I don't want all that drama beforehand, though. No, mm-mm. And it sounds like you and your grandpa, even though you didn't really get to know him or anything, had that close bond. Well, you want to know what my dad's dad said when he met me? My mom says she's not for sure if it was me or my sister Casey, but she's pretty sure it was me because, you know, I'm the youngest of four girls. He was an alcoholic asshole, but he walked in and he goes, huh, another girl and left. Wow. Yeah, douchebag. So I love that you had that, like you felt his pride. Yeah. Okay, the next one, dog visits. Hey ladies, this is Erin from sunny California. After college, I had my first adult dog, a yellow lab named Lucy. She was a great dog. I got her when she was nine months and she lived until 12 and a half. Well, the day I had to put her down, I asked my dad to be in the room when it happened because I just wanted to say one last goodbye with her still there. Of course, I got so, so sad after that, not knowing if I made the right choice. Well, the first day after she was put down, I was in my bedroom sitting on my bed. Then all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a dog shadow that left my room and turned down the hallway. I just know that was her because it was right at the same height she would have been. Then, the next two nights, I had what they call visitation dreams from Lucy. They were the most vivid dreams I've ever had. It felt like real life. In both of them, I was sitting on my bed, and Lucy was on my lap, and I was petting her. I would stop for a second, and her tail would wag really fast, which meant she didn't want me to stop. So, I just continued. Her fur felt like the softest fur you could ever imagine. It was crazy. So I know the shadow and the visitation dreams were her visiting me, telling me everything's okay and I'm still with you. On that note, I will have to send you another email about the visitation dreams I've had of my sister who passed. While typing this up, I just remembered something else. Last year, my brother and his family had to put down their Chihuahua, Uni. It was my brother's wife's dog before they got married, so she was especially sad about this. You know how kids can see people who have crossed over? Well, apparently they can see dogs as well. One day, my sister-in-law was sitting on her bed, and her daughter, who I think was about six or so, came in. She asked my sister-in-law if she was sad because she was crying. And my sister-in-law said, yeah. My niece said, why? Are you sad about uni dying? And my sister-in-law said, yes. And then my niece said, why? She's fine. She's sitting right there on your lap. And pointed to her lap, which was interesting because uni used to always sit on her lap. So yeah, my niece saw the dog. Hope you enjoyed these two happy stories. Kids say the creepiest shit. (laughs) Why are you sad? The dog's sitting right there on your lap. The call is coming from inside the house. (laughs) Meanwhile, they're like, um, this was supposed to be a happy story, ladies. I know. It is. It's a sweet story being visited. And I mean, I feel like I was visited by my cat, my first actual pet, after he died. So I totally get that. But Marbu's getting old. You know, she's going to be 12, and you said 12 and a half, and I don't know. It was just like, oh, God. Can't think of it. Uh Uh-uh. Losing a pet is hard, and I never realized how hard it was until I lost Bo. Yeah. Because the pet that I had as a kid, we had him for like 13 years. He just like ran away, which he would do a lot. Like, he would run away and be gone for a day or two, you know, every so often. And so it was like, oh, he just ran away. But I mean, he never came back. And sometimes I have dreams that he comes back, but it's like a decade later. And it's like, damn, where you been, bud? <laughs> like, yeah. His name was Bud. But like, that's not a thing. Yeah. Because even in my dream, I'm like, how are you still alive? Yeah. Okay, the next one. Hey, girls and creepsters. George B. here with another nail-biting paranormal story. Hey, just to interrupt, 
It was George B.'s birthday yesterday at the time we're reading this. So happy belated birthday. He says, haha, well, another story at any rate. So this is a story about a possible ghost that I may have seen yesterday morning. Today, for those who want to know, is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022. So yesterday morning, I stepped out my back porch around 7.30 a.m., as I always do to let my chickens out into their respective yards and feed and water them. I pick up a pair of shoes on my back steps to wear around the chickens. I call these my chicken shit shoes since they're only for that purpose. Anyway, I was slipping my feet into those shoes. I glanced over at my next-door neighbor's house and saw him sitting in the chair under his carport. I waved, but he never glanced my way or waved back, which isn't entirely unusual. What's unusual is him sitting out on the carport at this hour. Usually, it's later in the morning before he comes out to sit, sip coffee, and smoke a cigarette. That was another unusual thing. I didn't see a lit cigarette in either of his hand or mouth. I shrugged, and now in my shoes, I went down the steps and glanced again and no one was sitting in the chair. I didn't see anyone on the carport at all, and the door to the house was firmly closed. There was no way that he could have moved that fast to get up, go in the house, and shut the door all within three seconds. A little background. The neighbor that lives there now inherited the house from his dad. Let's refer to him as Jay. His parents, let's call them Mr. and Mrs. Z, were living in that house when I bought mine in 2010. They were elderly, and Mrs. Z was unable to walk very well. She had a walker and was prone to falling and unable to get herself back up. We had a neighborly relationship and that we'd talk, borrow things from each other, and there was one incident where Mr. Z was in the hospital one week. One night that week, I was walking my dog, Max, and I heard faint cries for help coming from the house. I went to investigate, and I found Miss Z on the kitchen floor unable to get herself up. I helped her up, got her onto the chair, and stayed with her for a little bit to make sure she was going to be all right. She passed away about a year after that, and then Mr. Z passed away a couple of years later. So Jay moved in about a year after his dad passing. We have been a bit closer than I was with his parents. So when I realized it couldn't have been Jay sitting in that chair and that there was no way any human could have moved that fast and quickly, I realized I must have seen Mr. Z probably coming to visit his son and checking on the house. My house was built in 1957 and Mr. and Mrs. Z were well established in their home when my house was built. So most of his life was spent in that house. I wish now I'd look a little bit harder, but I'd assumed it was Jay. I didn't think to just stare. Told my hubby Steve about it and his response was that it sounded scary. I didn't think so. I thought it was sweet of Mr. Z to check in with Jay and the house. Anyway, that's my little November ghost story. Hope all is well with everyone. And until next time, creep it real and don't get scared of no ghosts. Love y'all and all you do, George B. I hope that's all it was, was old Mr. Z coming back. Right? I liked in my head guess what the names are that y'all are leaving out, and I thought he was a Mr. Ziggler. Mmm. I hate when shit like that happens, too, where you don't pay attention to certain details because you assume, and then in retrospect, you're like, man, if I would have just paid a little bit more attention. Mm-hmm. Okay, the next one. Hey, gals, it's me, Anna, again. So you haven't gotten to my first message, but I didn't want to wait. First, I want to hopefully explain something about the witchcraft community to our fellow creepers. There really isn't such a thing as dark magic. The term came around due to the fact that people believed you should do things that are for other people or to better the world, which is known as light or high magic, which normally is tied to working with angels. Where dark or low magic is tied is working with demons, which is not always bad. Look at it this way. Demons are more like humans. You mess with them, they mess with you. They are entities with power and in my opinion deserve to be shown some respect. Secondly, I thought I would tell you guys the crazy story of how I almost got kidnapped. So my husband and I had gotten into a huge argument and I decided to walk my dog around the circle of our complex to calm down. 
My dog is a 75-pound lab mix who is a sweetheart, but would definitely defend me if needed, as I know from another time that I'll send in later. Why does this happen to me a lot? Anywho, we are about halfway around when I see this car drive by super slow. I think, okay, weird, and I take note. So did my dog, Lilo, who started pulling me off the side wall between the apartment building into the inner circle area. At this time, the car speeds back around, pulls as close to the curb as possible to me, and slams on the brakes. Lilo growls and starts dragging me over to the grass back home. I activate Siri and say, 911, 911, as my extra-large pizza self is sprinting across the grass, letting my baby girl pull me. I get to my building in my apartment and finally catch my breath enough to answer the operator who does an amazing job calming me down. She had already gotten my general location, but I gave her my address and she sent over an officer who patrolled the area for that night. That night, my Lilo got extra treats and love because she really got me moving so I didn't even have to think. Creep it real, y'all. We don't deserve dogs. Mm-mm. There have been so many dog stories in the last couple of Sinister Sightings and y'all just trying to make me sad. I mean, that was a good happy story, but whew. Yeah. I don't watch uh, animal movies for a reason. <laughs> and the 911 operators do a good job at calming you down. But in the moment, sometimes them telling me to calm down makes me mad. Yeah. Because I'm like, this is serious. But like, also, you're right. Okay, I need to calm down. Yeah. And like, thank you for doing such a great job. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but I want to be hyper emotional. Okay. Right. <laughs> Just kidding. Really and truly, they do an amazing job. 911 operators are truly the first person that people come in contact with at the worst possible moments of their life. Yes. Like, not the police, not the EMTs, the person that picks up the phone. Mm-hmm. I don't know how y'all do it. But thank you for doing it. Okay, the next one. Hi, ladies. I don't mind if you use my name, and I don't mind it if you edit the language. I have a sinister sightings to share. Donna should be right up your alley, kid. This happened the night before Halloween, and I'm writing this almost two weeks later, so it's good and fresh. I went with my boyfriend, R, to his grandmother's funeral in a teeny little bumfuck town in Tennessee, just a few miles above the Alabama state line. We didn't actually stay for the funeral itself. We just went to the visitation and then left for home after changing and loading up our things. It's roughly a four-hour drive, and we left around 10.30 p.m. I was peopled out, and R was pretty much the same, so I just hit the road with the intention of stopping for all the caffeine and snacks before they rolled up the sidewalks. I did not stop because I don't know why. It was after 10.30, and I was already at my limit. We realized that we also had no map to tell us where to go, so I pulled over to the side of the road. There was a sizable shoulder, so I felt safe enough pulling over, even though there were no lights anywhere near and there were woods on either side of the road. One important note is that we were facing a hill, meaning that in order to go forward, we would be heading up an incline. I put the van, yes, minivan, in park, and we both proceeded to pull up good old Google Maps. I didn't actually remove my foot from the brake, even though the van was in park. We chose that route because it will take us to I-40, and the other two routes were through lots of little speed traps, um, I mean towns, that I didn't want to deal with in the middle of the night. According to Google, it was a 3 hour and 58 minute drive, putting us at home at roughly 3 a.m. if we didn't stop. It was about this time that my van, y'all, my minivan in park with my foot still in the brake, going uphill, started moving forward. Uphill. What? I cannot stress this enough the fuck? So I looked straight ahead, put the van in drive, and took it out. Ever heard a minivan pill out? I did that night. Do not look in the woods. If you see something, you didn't. If you hear something, no you didn't. Don't whistle after dark. 
Let's go. My boyfriend noticed this as well, and I didn't realize until he started talking to me that I had said the above paragraph out loud. Those are some basic rules in Appalachia, which we were in Appalachian country, but he is Native American. He started telling me that the area has been known for skinwalkers. I gave him my best side eye and said, I ain't fucking around with them either. He said he figured it was his ancestors saying, get the hell out of there. And I said, say less and kept driving, disregarding the speed limit for at least a few miles. We didn't stop for a good while until a town that looked like it wasn't a ghost town appeared. We stopped at a gas station for caffeine and snacks. I've been following the GPS the whole way and it was late, like 1.30, 2 a.m. So we had been on the road for about three hours at this point. I got to thinking, something is not right here. I look at the map again. It still said we were three and a half hours from home. We had only traveled about 20 minutes away from where we started and neither of us could figure out what the hell took us so long. He called his mom who basically told us to stay on the route we were on with a tiny detour that landed us on I-40 a few miles east of where the GPS would land us. She had taken that route many times and knew it from memory, but it really was just a teeny bit off from the route we were on. We crossed no time zones to explain it. We had been in Central the whole time, but the GPS usually accounts for when we do anyway. I had put him on the wheel after a bit because I was starting to pass out even after two energy drinks and coffee and he drove the rest of the way. We finally made it home at 4.30, a full hour after we should have, accounting for stops. I still don't know what pushed the van or what stole an hour from us. I can tell you this, it was a highly charged weekend anyway for both of us. The funeral, seeing family that he hadn't seen in a decade or more, never mind the reason he hadn't seen them, and I didn't know any of these people. It was a lot to deal with, so I'm not sure what the deal was. The previous night hadn't been easy either. We were both reeling. I wonder now if that wasn't attracting some negative spirits in the area, skinwalkers or otherwise, and maybe the ancestors were telling us to get the hell out of Dodge for that reason. We barely spoke for more than a week, and it took more of me than that to recover even physically from the whole thing. I still haven't fully recovered emotionally from the whole ordeal, and honestly, neither has he. I think his grandmother was the only one he gave a damn about saying goodbye to, so hopefully this isn't a thing we have to deal with again. What's with all these skinwalkers? Right? I do not like this theme. I mean, I do because I love to hear about them, but ooh. Also, what happened to the hour? And hell yeah, do not whistle out into the night. I didn't know that was like Appalachian like. Mm-hmm, because something might whistle back. And Adonis over here like shaking her head like, yeah, I know all that. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad y'all made it home though. And how were you pushed, like moved uphill? Like that's not a thing. I don't know much, but I know that's not how gravity works. Okay, last one. Hey y'all, please don't use my name for this one. I was just listening to Sinister Sightings episode 186 and I heard a listener's story about a haunted doll. I have some experiences with dolls. So I house sit at this mini mansion a couple of times a year for a lovely elderly lady who used to own a toy company. She's very well traveled and has many artifacts and such from her trips. She's been to every continent. Talk about goals. Given that she used to own a toy company, she is very big into dolls. She has quite an impressive collection and a showroom right off the foyer with display cases and the whole nine yards. I'm quite used to them now, so they don't really tend to creep me out much. However, my first time house-sitting for her, I stayed there for two and a half weeks and I was terrified of the dolls. She has dolls in literally every room of the house except for two of the five bathrooms. I'm talking not just regular sized dolls, but some of them are tall, like a six or seven year old child. And I had to sleep there, alone. 
There's literally a collection of doll busts on her dresser that face the bed. The things that scared me the most, however, were the tie mask. I was sending a Snapchat to my friend, kind of showing them the dolls, and at one point showed the tie mask. These things are scary as shit, and I said so in the Snap video. After I took the video and was just hanging out around the house, I noticed that I couldn't find the lady's cat, which was the main reason I was staying at the house. The cat was missing for three days. I searched everywhere and spent hours going through the house. I knew she had to be indoors because I didn't let her outside and was careful when opening doors. I was crying by the third day because this lady's cat is her whole life. Also, side note, I know we all do this in scary situations. We talk out loud so there isn't just silence. Well, I did this when I was around the house and I would talk to the mask and the dolls. Well, I was walking around the house for the literal hundredth time crying and as I walked past the mask, out of nowhere, I just apologized to them for being mean and calling them scary. I don't know what possessed me to do it, but I did it. And I kid you fucking not, I'm walking through the butler's pantry where the masks are and the cat just walks into view at the other end of the doorway to the dining room. I know it sounds stupid, but to this day, I think the mask stole the cat because I insulted them. Anyway, me and the mask and the dolls, we're all cool now. I'm staying there now and I don't get freaked out by the dolls really anymore. I sleep well usually and walk past them in the dark, which I used to not be able to do. I say hi to everyone when I first get there and say goodbye just to be courteous. Love y'all. Yeah, dolls freak me out. They used to not freak me out, but now they do. It's because we've heard all these stories. Maybe so. But also, like, I'm sorry. I don't want to kiss up to a fucking doll. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be like, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) To a goddamn doll. I'm not about that. (laughs) I mean, we will do it. I mean, yeah, you got to do what you got to do to survive. But shit, I just don't want a doll to have... It's a doll. I don't want something to have that much control over me. Also, I know what you mean about mask. Not really tie mask, but my sister Susan, she has a lot of masks in her house, like Mardi Gras mask and all kinds of things on her wall. And that freaked me the fuck out. I had to sleep in that room one night and I was like, oh my gosh, don't look at anything. I think it comes from how me and Carrie don't like mascots or anything in a costume. And so like a mask hides someone's eyes and face. So it's like this mask is on the wall. Who's behind there? Yeah. Like I'm getting better with mascots, but even sometimes I'm still like, yeah. Have we told them about the Easter bunny? I think so. Oh, okay. We'll tell them now just in case. Okay. Well, we were in college and we went to the mall because apparently we used to do that. But you know me, I'm going to wave, I'm going to do something, and there was an Easter bunny getting his picture taken with kids. But there was no line. Like, it was like, he'd like just set up, or I don't know, like, it was dead in there. Yeah. I waved big, you know me, big Donna, got to wave big, and... I said, don't fucking wave to the Easter bunny. (laughs) I was just being courteous. No, she was antagonizing me. (laughs) And he bit. He was like, okay, bed. You're going to regret that. And he followed us. We went into um, a Christian bookstore to get away because we were like, oh, fuck. Oh, oh, shit. Oh, God. And he stayed out there for a while. And me and Carrie were scared. <laughs> like, uh-uh, who's behind that mask? We literally, and I whoop into this bookstore right here. <laughs> oh, look at these What Would Jesus Do bracelets. Love this. Love this color. It had windows so like we could see him through there. And it was like, oh, Lord. Literally, oh, Lord. Yeah, I blame her for that. <laughs> 
because she was like look look and i'm like no stop waving to him and she waves bigger and so <laughs> i really think he saw that i was scared probably and so he was like <laughs> yeah i won't do that again well thank y'all so much for sending in all these stories we love them keep them coming send them in to a paranormal chicks at gmail.com and remember creep it real and, and don't, don't get scared, scared.